Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hollywood Swingin'. I am your host, Stephen Bishop, alongside, as always, my co-host, the debonair and dapper Jerry Hairston Jr., a.k.a. the J. Hay Kid, a.k.a. the Legacy. We're going to bring it back, a.k.a. the Denzel Doppelganger, a.k.a. a six-time Emmy winner. Jerry, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, Steven, I'm so glad that you brought back the Denzel. Because uh, we, we got away from that a couple weeks, but you know what? I was, once again, I was at the grocery store. I was at the grocery store here in uh, SoCal, and somebody goes, ah, you, you remind me of somebody, somebody that's on TV. I said, I, I, is it Denzel? And she was like, ah. I go, just say it's Denzel. We could all be happy. She said, okay, Denzel. And she and went like we this? Went our, went our way. Did she go like she was this? Pro- she was probably in her early to mid 80s if i were to guess yeah uh, that's your that's so your fan base may, that's your, that's may, your female fan base jerry right th- there it is right there i am huge of the grandmothers uh and and you know she had to squint a little bit and i don't know if she walked away saying did he convince me that he was denzel or did i come to the realization that that might be denzel so hey i guess we'll never know uh but uh, i am excited about today's show uh we got an incredible guest what am i boyhood heroes yeah and but, uh i know steven you'll you'll introduce him i will jerry but before we we before we get to what is one of our our best guests to date um we got to talk about a couple of things jerry since we last spoke the unthinkable has happened shohei otani has suffered a torn ucl he is about to be the poster child for tommy john surgery uh, it, you know, it's highly successful and he'll come back with a brand new arm and hopefully they don't say, oh, well, you know, we don't want to try that anymore. Uh, I, I, Jerry, I'm very superstitious. Okay. I, uh, I'm, I, I don't talk about no hitters while they're going on. I refuse to let my little leaguers talk about them when I was coaching. Uh, if I was going good, I would wear the same spikes or the same batting gloves. You know, the baseball deal. I'm wondering if our high, high praise for him a few episodes ago no. jinxed him in any way. No, not, not, not at all. You got to remember, you know, Shohei was, was asked a lot of him because he's just so talented. We haven't seen a player like him, obviously, in our lifetime. Uh, the last one who was doing kind of like what he did was Babe Ruth, but even Babe Ruth wasn't doing what Shohei Otani was doing because, remember, Babe Ruth – was a pitcher first, then he did a little bit of hitting, and then abandoned being a pitcher and focused on being a hitter. Shohei Otani, the last several years, has done both at the same time. And just the wear and tear of the body, playing every single day, swinging that bat violently through the zone. Remember, that's his lead arm. That lead arm with extension, guess what? That's his throwing arm. All that stress uh, has really uh, obviously hurt him. And it's unfortunate, uh, but, you know, he'll be back. Now, I don't know how it's going to affect his contracts moving forward. I thought he was going to be in the 600 to $700 million range because he's a $35 million pitcher and $35 million hitter. But now, I, I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. But he's still a talented guy. This will be a second Tommy John surgery if he elects to have it. I think he will. Uh, but I, what I hear, I'm not a doctor, that once you have the second one, you know, that, that's pretty much it, man. So hopefully he's back healthy when you and say, he's doing, doing his thing. When you say pretty much it, 
do you mean pretty much it that that's the last time you're going to be able to have it or pretty much it that you are no longer going to be able to throw the way you did before well, you had that second surgery? Again, I am not a doctor. Just hearing from guys that have had the procedure done before, uh, hearing from uh, you know doctors and just being around the game, usually they don't have a third Tommy John surgery. I may but, be wrong, but do they fully recover? Wrong. But do they fully recover no, they, from you, the no, no, second can, one? Of course, you, you can fully recover. Absolutely, you can fully from recover the from the second one. one you're fine. Okay. Yes, he's going to be fine if he elects to have the surgery. If he does have the surgery, he could be just fine, uh, and he'll be ready to go. Be back to on ninety-eight to hundred miles an hour. But again, I, I had heard, you, you know, obviously, if there's doctors listening, correct me if I'm wrong. I have heard that doctors most of the time do not want to do a third procedure if he blows it out again. That's okay. why I've heard. Now, I could be wrong. And I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, my first, you know, my first thought was, oh, well, he just cost himself. Well, he didn't cost himself. This just cost him $150 million. You know, like if he was going to get 600, I was thinking more 450. If he was going to get that for being both guys. Now he's going to probably get, he's still going to get 300 million, but I, I, he's not going to get, I, you know, Steven, I, I'm going to cut you off right there. There's going to team. There are going to be teams that are going to pay him, man. I'm telling you, even if he don't, even if he's, even if there's a chance he decides, you know what? I don't want to pitch anymore. I don't want to risk my long-term health. No, well, here's the thing. Again, teams can be creative uh, and agents could be creative. They can sign a you know six eight year ten year deal and have an opt out clause after the third year. So he DHs next year. He puts up you know two eighty with forty five home runs as a DH. Then the following year he's in the rotation and he's back to being Shohei Otani in in twenty twenty five, and he's dealing. They may opt out. I mean well, again, listen. there's going to be agents that can be creative and there's going to be organizations that can be creative. Bottom line, he sells tickets. The okay. stuff that he gets brings teams. Somebody did, a, I think it was ESPN, did like a, a analytics on him. His value is seventy-three to seventy-eight million dollars a year. That's his value. What he brings in to an organization with TV, with revenue, with now imagine him on the Dodgers or the Yankees. I did imagine him Blue on Jays the Dodgers on a, on a huge market team. Yeah. Think about that. Well, Huge listen, market team. this is where we're going to where he and we are going to get a really stark example of the the uh, situation where baseball is a business. They're going to try, depending on which organization it is, they're going to try everything they can to shortchange him because they're going to say, well, look, you're you know, we don't want to call you damaged goods, but you're on your second Tommy John. And, you know, we this is a big risk we're taking you. We may pay you to be a two-way guy, and you show up two years into the ten-year contract, telling us you only you can only you can only hit. Now, as valuable as you are as a hitter, we paid for a two-way guy. You know, it's you you know how it gets, Jerry. Yep. Uh, okay. So, all that being discussed, I just wanted to get that off the table. Uh, I've been it's been on my mind for a while. Jerry, today's guest is 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 an outstanding get for us. Uh, before there was Johnny Football. There was this guy. Now, stay with me here. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get back to that in a second. Today's guest, he's a six-time AL All-Star. He won a batting title in 1984. He's an AL MVP award winner the next year in 85 where he led to the AL and RBIs. He's a nine-time gold glove winner, a three-time silver slugger award winner. 
Uh, after his playing career, he, he went on to coach the Yankees and the Dodgers before becoming the Miami Marlins manager and now is a coach with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he won NL Manager of the Year in 2020. He had his number 23 jersey retired by the Yankees, which is a testament, a testament to this guy as a player and a person. Because well, you just he, basically named who he is by just saying the retired number. But go, well, go, ahead, go Yeah, well, not, hey, not, at, not at, yeah, hey, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, Jerry, get off me. All right, I'm doing, an, I'm doing an intro here. Let me do what I do. This is, a, this is a, a, a big statement about this guy as a player and as a person because he's the only guy in the storied Yankees franchise history of all the championships. He's the only guy to ever get his jersey retired not having won a world championship. So that just tells you a lot about who this guy is. Uh, when I said before Johnny Football, there was this guy. Before Johnny Football, there was Donnie Baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, and Jerry, Mr. Don Mattingly. Don, how are you today? Welcome to Hollywood Swinging. I'm good. I appreciate that intro. Other than the part about the World Series, that's the hardest. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't because of you. You were the one balling out there. It was just you just didn't have uh, the necessary pieces. Now, you had some stars. You did play with some stars like Dave Winfield, uh, Ricky Henderson. Uh, but obviously you guys didn't have the team because you were definitely putting up the numbers, MVP, batting title, uh, the best defensive first baseman, in my opinion, that I ever saw. Um, but that introduction – and also I wanted to make sure he also managed the, the Los Angeles Dodgers before uh, he managed the, the Miami Marlins. Uh, but, Donnie, welcome. Uh, how's everything going? How's uh, life uh, as, as a Toronto Blue Jay these days? It's pretty good. You know, we're in the heat of this uh, wild card race. And, you know, it's kind of like I always look at this time of year as like the best baseball. You know, you're getting your guys' best effort. Uh, teams are energized. And teams that are in it are energized. And it starts to build. And each game you feel like you have to win. Each, one, each loss hurts. Each win just is, you know, exhilarating. So this is the best time of the year for me. And talking about your team, you know, you got a, a very balanced team, pretty good pitching, uh, pretty good defense. Your offense, obviously, a lot of teams, a lot of, a lot of scouts, a lot of players, a lot of fans talk about, you know, the two stars you guys have there, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette. What are those two guys like? Because from a fan, and I'm a baseball fan first, those two guys seem like not only are they talented, but they love playing the game. Yeah, I think both of these guys are – are uh, unique personalities and in Toronto, in Toronto is a unique place from the standpoint, you have the whole country watching your team. It's not just the, the Toronto area. Um, Vlad, I think both of these guys are kind of next level guys. I think they get a lot of attention. They actually get a little bit of criticism from the standpoint of a lot of expectation, uh, both young. I think, both are guys that still have like places to go as far as getting better and better, but they definitely are the faces of the franchise. Uh, you mentioned some things. We, we throw the ball pretty well. Our bullpen's pretty good. Our starting pitching's good. Uh, we can, we can do a few things. We're kind of built for the postseason for me because we can put the ball in play. We can run a little bit. Uh, there are th some things that we do that are, are good for postseason baseball. We just got to get there. Now, listen, I, 
I want to follow up real quick on the last thing I said in the intro, because what I, you know, when I read this, it, 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 it perfectly embodied the way I was, I was thinking when I said, when I first wrote the part about uh, having the number retired without having won a championship. Uh, Jerry, you're well aware of Monument Park at Yankee Stadium. And, oh, yeah. you know, all the, all the Yankee greats have their plaques there. And Don has a plaque there. And his, his, his Monument Park plaque describes him as a humble man of grace and dignity, a captain who led by example, proud of the pinstripe tradition, and dedicated to the pursuit of excellence, a Yankee forever. Now, when I said it was a testament to his, what he was as a player and as a person. That's the kind of thing I meant. What he meant for the organization, what you meant for the organization, Don, what you, you meant for the city, what you meant for kids all over the country. I mean, do you reflect on those times and, and understand the, the weight that, that uh, and the impact that you had on so many people, does that, does that ever, when you're sitting back having a cigar, if you enjoy a cigar, do you ever think back and be like, wow, I was, I was really blessed to have that kind of influence and impact on people? No, for, for sure. I think as you get older too, it's a little easier when you're 24 and 25 going through it, you're just doing your thing. But I think as you get older and get involved with different people for different reasons, um, you know, a phone call to somebody that's elderly, not feeling good, or a kid, uh, and just the energy that you get back, and then the response from people saying, "Oh, you don't know what that did for my father or or my kid." Those are those are great feelings, right? And and I think I love playing in New York just because of the energy and the and just kind of the grittiness of that town and like always moving forward. Like, what have you done for me lately? Uh, for sure in New York. So I don't, I don't know this connection that I was able to, you know, just kind of grew over the years with myself and the fans there, I think in the city uh, is a cool thing. And, but at the end of the day, the best thing is like, I just had to be myself. I didn't have to try to do anything to garner attention, just go out, be yourself, you know, do your thing. And that, that's for me the best thing. And you know, what's one second, Jerry, what, what, one of the things you being yourself did, you know, you're doing something when you've got kids and even teenagers all over the country emulating your style. Now, you know, I always saw Don Mattingly as a hard nosed, no nonsense player. Uh, the, the, the kind of guy that might just slap the shit out of you if you say the wrong thing running around first base. <laughs> you know, I, that's who I saw. But at the same time, I saw a guy with a pristine presentation of the uniform. If you look at some of my old, uh, now Don, you don't know this about me, but I played in the minor leagues and you know through college and high school and all that. If you look at some of my old pictures, you'll see that I have the perfect amount of the color showing out underneath the uniform jersey. I got that from Don Mattingly. The eye black situation. I got that from Don Mattingly. Uh, Don, are you aware that you had kids all around imitating your run, the home run trot? Jerry, are you aware of the Don Mattingly trot with the, oh, the, ch might, the I, chest I, out, I shoulders back about. with the hands here, with the head bop going? That was Don, were you aware <laughs> that you had kids all over the country doing the Don Mattingly home run trot? 
I did not know anything about like the uniform or the, I heard the eye black a little bit, did not get the home run trot thing. I seen some kids with the stance uh, trying to emulate that. Um, yeah. Those type of things. Not, not all of that, but I didn't realize the uniform thing. Oh yeah. No, it's like be- the Michael, jo- Mike, like the Michael Jordan tongue, you know, yeah. the, the, the trot, the trot, the trot was well known, Jerry. This was, guys- <laughs> you know, haven't been, around Don Mattingly now, obviously, I, I played for him. Uh, I was the oldest guy on the team uh, when I was with the Dodgers. And I knew and I grew up watching, you know, Don Mattingly because, I, listen, I was a baseball fan. I loved baseball. I, I lived it, breathed it. I grew up around the game. And just hearing my dad talk about the best hitters he ever saw, he'd always mention Don Mattingly, you know. And then now me getting a chance to play for him, I got a chance to see him. Not, not only was he a great player, he was a great student in the game and wanted to continue to, to learn and teach. And I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick conversation, you know, about me and Don had. Donnie would always love to be in the mix. During batting practice, he sometimes would throw batting practice, and sometimes he'd go to first base, and he'd field our throws, you know, across the diamond. And I'd be like, man, I'm literally throwing the ball to Don Maddenly. You know what I'm saying? Or he'd come to second base. You know, I'm working on my flips or whatever, or I'm tossing second base. He just loved being around the guys and still kind of playing. I remember we were in Colorado – Donnie, I don't know if you remember this. I used to always give Donnie a hard time. I'd give Tim Wallach a hard time. You know, they had it on the Jumbotron. You know, this date, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, Donnie was, you know, hit his eighth straight game with a, with a home run. He had eight straight games with a home run, which is insane to me. Uh, and they were showing him trotting around the bases. You know, and I think I think it was in Texas you, you had your eighth straight. And uh, I, I look up the scoreboard. I look at you. I look at the scoreboard. I see you trotting, you know. And I look at you, I was like, wow, Donnie, you played? <laughs> just to kind of just to kind of just to kind of jab him a little bit because obviously he knew that I knew that he played. But he was a superstar, but he never acted like that. And I think it's the best compliment I can give a person who would play the game. A guy that's a superstar that everybody admired, who should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. And that's it, it, you and Nomar should be in the Hall of Fame. That's ridiculous because it's all about the numbers and what you guys did, and you guys were the very best for a stretch of time. Now, the longevity stuff, yeah, that's cool. That, that's great. But did you have an impact? And that's what the Hall of Fame to me is, is about, the best players that have ever played the game. And Donnie certainly was one of the best players to ever play the game, defensively, offensively, uh, and he had a tremendous impact on the game. So, again, that's the best compliment I give Donnie, a superstar but never acted like it. He just wanted to be a, a player, and then now, obviously, after playing under him, he wanted to be the best manager he can be, and obviously still uh, coaching and, and doing his thing from that aspect. Yeah, Jerry, I think – do I get to tell the Jerry stories? Absolutely. Please, please do. Yeah, so <laughs> like, like, I appreciate that, Jerry, because I did – I always love being around the guys, and I like the back and forth, the clubhouse – you know, guys giving you a little bit, uh, giving you a little something back and forth. So I always enjoyed that and miss that when you're when you're out of the game. But Jerry, and you guys probably know, is pretty confident. And if you play golf with Jerry, I'm sure it's a lot of the same. Uh, but I remember I hit him fourth in Seattle, which told you what kind of club we had. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he says to me, he goes, finally, you're putting me where I should be. <laughs> that sounds like Jerry too. <laughs> exactly right. Did but, I go deep that game though? I went deep that game. I think you did. You might have hit a grand slam that day. 
but yeah, Jerry was was a fun guy to have on the club, and obviously to me, like a really really good hitter, good swing, uh, knew how to play, and I you love guys like Jerry because you hate you like the guys that know you you understand that they know what's gonna ha- what's happening on the field and the circumstances around it, and, and Jerry's always a pleasure. Yeah, you know I I. I spend a lot of time with Jerry and I give him a, I, I, you know, I'm being an ex ball player. I needle him a lot. We needle him. We needle each other a lot, but uh, Jerry's one of those guys. And I, listen, I got to play golf with him tomorrow. So I'm probably going to hear about the fact that I'm about to be nice tomorrow, <laughs> but Jerry's one of those guys that just seems to be good at everything. You know, I, I've known some of those guys in my life. Um, I, without tooting any horns, I like to consider myself one of those types of people that, I'm good at ping pong. I'm good at tennis. I was a good swimmer. Right? you know, Jerry seems to be one of those types of guys. And, you know, to be uh, the guy he was in the big leagues where he got to play on so many teams and he played so many positions, you know that you're, you know, you're an athlete. And that's why, Jerry, I think you like Mookie so much because you you're, he's a lot like you were as, a, as an athlete. I mean, you're just a you, good are, athlete. Are you comparing me to Mookie Betts? Keep, keep talking. Only keep talking. in the only in only in regard to the fact that you guys are great athletes across the board, and you, as far as baseball play, you're not that good. But no. in, in 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 regard to being an athlete, Jerry, I am going to give you the flowers that you deserve. You were good, and I, I see it when I play you in golf. I've seen it when you t- you know when you've uh, talked to me about ping pong and. Everything else that we talk about, I just see that that's the kind of guy you are. And, and Don, I mean, when, when he says things like, you know, finally, you're putting me where I belong. I mean, you should hear him on the golf course. I mean, he'll set up for a, you know, 15, 20 foot birdie putt. And he'll tell you the story about when he was playing basketball in high school in Chicago. And the cheerleaders would say on the sideline as he would step to the line, sink it. Jerry sink it and then he'll hit the putt and it somehow will go in and you're like, like huh, where is there cameras around here someplace? <laughs> well I, I I love the fact that you guys are going on as far as as athletes and Donnie you got a chance to play against and manage against incredible athletes you played against Bo Jackson uh, how does a guy like a Shohei Otani where does he rank as far as athletes and Stephen you mentioned another one Mookie Betts who in my opinion uh, outside of Shohei Otani, is the best athlete on the planet. But, where, Donnie, where would you rank all these athletes that you've got a chance to play against, manage against, and see? Yeah, Shohei is is a little different because I, I started thinking about the multi-sport guys. You think about, like, Bo Jackson uh, played with Dion, uh, which was a treat in itself. Uh, Shohei is so different than anybody I've ever seen on a baseball field just because of the two-way thing and amazing like how good he is at both right like a guy's dominant pitcher and a dominant hitter at the, to the point where like you know when we're facing him it's like hey this dude can't beat us we got to walk this guy even in putting like this maybe the winning run on base and try to get the next guy out where you, things you don't really want to do in baseball but you do because of him uh so like he's like premier baseball wise uh like Dion and Bo, like those dudes did some stuff like seeing Dion on a baseball field, like just pure athlete was, was incredible. Bo was a like a huge, like for me, like this big old dude that could fly and doing stuff on a baseball field that you're, you're amazed at. So um, I don't know how to put them all and rank them all. I think 
you know, Kirk Gibson was another one of those guys, yeah, actually, yeah. that for a big man and, you know, people kind of seem probably at times with the bad knee and coming up to the plate and hitting that homer in Dodger Stadium. But this dude could fly. I remember and, him as a tiger growing up. Oh, Detroit tiger. Man, he could fly and he tore up dirt. He was like one of those dudes that come around first and like leaving chunks out of the ground. I'd go fix the ground for you for the next play. So there's been a lot of great athletes, but it's hard to put anybody in the Shohei category for me on the baseball field. Yeah, you know, you talk about Dion flying. I uh, when I was in the minor leagues with the Braves, <clears throat> we had what was called, uh, you know, a little subset of our of our minor league organization was called the Braves Burners, guys that the Braves, you know, thought could run a little bit. And um, every year we would we would have sixty time, we would have sixty races in uh, before practice, and the winner of the entire uh, Braves Burners would get a chance to race Dion. And I watched Dion race this guy named Sato. Uh, Shurton Saturnino was his name. We called him Sato. And both of them at the, at, at, in the race ran sub 6'2", 60s. It was, the, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in person. They were just absolutely flying. And you know, seeing Dion uh, run out a triple in person was one of the most beautiful things I've seen in, in in baseball. You know, it was amazing. So yeah, you're right. He's a great athlete, Jerry. I think Shohei. I think I don't know what kind of athlete Shohei is as far as other than baseball. You know, with Mookie being able to dunk a basketball and roll a 300 game in bowling and all the other things we know Mookie can do. I don't know what Shohei is like that way. But as far as baseball players, yeah, he's a freak. But as far as you know, athletes all around. I don't know. Do you know more about him than I do? I don't. I, I only know the, the baseball aspect. I and mean, that's a great point. You know, him being on the baseball field as far as dominate as a pitcher and dominate, obviously swing the bat. That's a category that we haven't seen. But as far as an all around athlete, meaning you can just put this guy on a football field. You can put this guy on a basketball court. Literally, I, I'm not making this up. Mookie Betts could start. And you give him three or four months, he could play in the NBA, be that point guard. He's that good. You put him in the NFL, he could probably run the option now that they're having the, the, the quarterbacks run a little bit more. He could be a quarterback or a, a slot receiver. And obviously, we know what Mookie Betts could do. He could. We've had him play shortstop, and he's excel at shortstop. He's probably could win a gold glove at second base right now. And obviously, he's defensively right now in the game, he's the best right fielder. I mean, the way he throws the ball, the way how, how accurate he is to throwing at bases, uh, and he has been he, – he was my favorite player when he was on the Red Sox because I love the way he played the game. But seeing him play every single day, I think he is the most skilled baseball player. Uh, Robbie Alomar is probably the most skilled guy that I ever saw, but Mookie Betts is the most skilled baseball player I've ever seen, meaning runs the bases well knows exactly what, how to throw the bases, has a cannon for an arm, can pick it second, short, and obviously right field, incredible range. He's like Willie Mays in right field. I know Willie played center field, but he plays right field like a center fielder. you know. Uh, but Mookie's the best as far as skill-wise I've seen. Yeah, Mookie too for me, Jerry, is like he seems so selfless. And, and like he that team follows him, it seems like, him and Freddie together. And Mookie just kind of plays to win. Like, you ask me to play second, fine. When we play short, fine. Play right, okay, that's good. You need a homer, I'll, I'll do that, right? Get a bag, he'll get a bag, right? This guy just, this guy to me, 
is you're right as far as watching a player play like and do all the things he brings a value uh, in all different areas that that you don't match very often well jerry uh, a lot of the people may have seen me drinking from this now famous white yeti cup and they're wondering what is he drinking out of that white yeti cup well ladies and gentlemen what i'm drinking has been provided by today's sponsor Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee. Futures Hero is not just a great tasting coffee, which it is, but the patented healthy roast technology retains 75%, 75%, Jerry, of the naturally occurring antioxidants from the green coffee bean. Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee in whole bean, ground, K-cups, and cold brew comes in a medium and dark roast right now. Futures Hero Antioxidant Coffee. It's the healthy roast that's good for you. Yeah, like you said, to be able to play in the big leagues, shortstop, second base, I mean, he's Bugs Bunny, you know what I mean, right field, center field, to be able to do that in the major leagues and be successful at it is, is off the charts athleticism and skill as a baseball player, and it just, it just you know, is, is a mark to his, his ultimate athleticism. Uh, Don, I want to ask you, as a coach, <clears throat> The Yankees in 2004 set the franchise record for home runs, uh, 242 home runs on the season. I want to know, what were you teaching that caused that? Because Yankees have always had guys that could hit home runs and have always hit some home runs. But what were you, what were you teaching that caused that, that uptick? And what was, the, you know, what was the approach that these guys were going with that, that, let, that freed them up to let the ball go deep into the, into the seats like it was all, you know, as, as much as it was? Well, first thing, it probably wasn't a lot of teaching going on because that was a great group of guys and, and a lot of good players. Um, but I, I think we kept it pretty simple. Uh, you know, you really work on the swing and just keeping it short and, and probably talk more approach with that, that group. It was more of a, you know, make sure we keep the main, you know, maintenance on, on Derek. What, what's he like to do to keep his swing right? What's Bernie like to do? Posada. Uh, trying to keep that maintenance part right. And then really just working on approach as far as what's this pitcher trying to do to you? You know, who are you uh, as a hitter? What do you want to handle off this guy? This, this is what this guy can do. What do you want to do with him? Right. And, and trying to have a good understanding of the pitcher. I know these guys knew themselves, but like for me, my part is not only the maintenance of their swing and things like that, but making sure they understood exactly what they wanted to do with this guy and what this guy could do and just try to limit it, what we're trying to handle. Now you, you, know, to- you had, you know, you were a career 300, 307 hitter, and, you know, you won a batting title, and you, you did a lot with the bat. I w- I'm curious, what was your stock approach as a hitter? Let, let's say a guy you, you know, hadn't seen before or a typical right-hander that you had seen a lot. What was your stock approach? What was your plan going up to the plate? Uh, for me, it was, I was always I always looked at myself as a kind of a line drive hitter with power, and my power was not on the, the opposite side of the field. I wanted to be low and on the left side of the field, low in the middle, and if I get into right center, then I I, got, I have enough power in that area. Uh, but each guy, for me, as you play long enough, you build like to me. I like saying I put them in buckets. Right. And this is this style of guy. He's a sinker guy that likes the slider down and in, usually works the change up off of that. You know, then I'm going to put that guy in a bucket. And how would I handle guys like that? And then try to build his movement into what, 
if it's a little more down or if it's a little more sideways, you know, I'm going to try to cover an area of the plate and then just work off that area and trying to hit multiple pitches in that area. Now I, I, co I coach the SoCal Cubs, which is a uh, Chicago Cubs scout team. I got a lot of guys on my team that listen to the podcast and we, we talk about hitting. I help out with the hitting uh, with them a lot. And we talk about the different styles, the different approaches and the different techniques that, you know, have been uh, going on throughout the years of baseball. I'm curious as to what you feel about the difference between what I was taught and Jerry was taught and probably you were taught about going down through the top of the ball and creating backspin versus the launch angle, which to me seems to be counterintuitive because when I go and I watch all, you know, my kids high school uh, take BP, I see these big strong guys and every single one of them, I'd say 98% of them are hitting the ball with topspin and nobody's right. doing, and nobody's doing anything to correct that. And it's like, wh what, what's going on? Do we not understand what topspin does? You know, as far as do we not watch other sports like tennis, where if you hit a topspin, you know, forehand, it goes over the net and dives into the ground. Uh, are, what, how do you feel about the state of hitting right now? And what do you teach as far as the, the attack towards the ball? Are you still teaching down through or do you, or do you subscribe to the, you know, match the plane launch angle technique? Well, I definitely teach starting the swing. I think swinging, starting it down. Right. And cause I think it does come up and I think that's kind of the fallacy that started happening with like, Jerry's a real flat path guy. Uh, there's different guys that are flat path. Um, but I definitely believe that the, the bottom hand starts it down and it's going to be coming up, but bottom hand starting it down gets you flat in the zone. It's a shorter swing. And that's, I, I, I agree with the, the launch angle. I, I understand it. You want to, you know, get on plane and you want to get the ball up in the air. I think we all want to get the ball in the air. Nobody's really going up there trying to hit ground balls. Um, but it doesn't. It didn't make any sense to me because guys were throwing harder than ever, uh, and then you're matching swings that are longer, and and I think we got what we asked for, tons of more strikeouts, uh, ton more, in a sense, more ground balls or full ground balls, uh, with the shifts. That's why everybody was shifting. So I definitely believe in more of a flat path. I think it's shorter to the ball. It allows you to handle more pitches. Uh, basically be able to have more game plans for different guys. Uh, elevation or launch angle really creates holes in your swing that if you have the wrong guy out there who can get the ball where they want, mm -hmm. then you're in trouble. And the more of the flat path is uh, gives you more weapons against better pitching. So it, it seems pretty simple to me. And I think it works with both kind of guys. I think there's there is a place for guys that hit 40 homers and strike out 180 to 200 times. Uh, you just can't have five of them in your lineup. You got to have some guys that can do both. And actually, the swings are coming back actually a little different. You see more guys getting on the high fastball now because pitchers are pitching up there more and more. Uh, I think the swings are getting. You see guys hitting that high fastball, and consequently, the sinkers starting to come back again. You know, you see the guy with the good sinker starting to be effective again. For a while, if you sunk the ball, you were getting crushed. And, and now it's kind of coming back again. So it keeps going full circle back and forth. Yeah, I, I you know, 
One of the things that I stress to my hitters is, you know, like you said, everybody wants to get the ball in the air on that perfect trajectory. But the question is, for me, who are you going to be when you miss? Because we all know that if you're a great hitter, you're going to get that ball on that proper trajectory two out of ten times, and that third one might be a ground ball through a hole or something you know, that gets you up to the 300 mark. But who are you going to be when you miss? If you're coming down through the top of the ball, you're going to hit the ball hard a lot on the ground when you miss that perfect trajectory. If you're coming up through the ball like the launch angle, those are going to be swings and misses or pop-ups or maybe long major league fly balls. Jerry, uh, Don, you know, is that something that you guys as hitters would agree with? That, listen, if I miss – there's five or six holes in the infield that I have a chance to, to get the ball through if I'm hitting down through the ball. If I miss the other way, there's no holes in the outfield, especially in pro baseball, college baseball. These guys can all run, and they're all going to get the ball unless you hit it out of the park. The, the launch angle swing is not a new concept. The launch angle swing is the old college baseball swing with the aluminum bat. You know, when you had the aluminum bat, you could sit there. They used to call them, you know, drop and drive. You get the ball in the air because you have the aluminum bat and you could, because it was lighter, and you hit a pop-up with the aluminum bat, the ball will travel an extra 30, 50, 60 feet. Instead of a, a fly ball, it's a home run. So they just renamed it, you know what I'm saying? And, and the A to B, I, I would like to teach, and I always thought, like Donnie was talking about, I want to be direct. If I'm direct to the ball, I have so many things that can go right for me. Remember, hitting is is, is so hard. It's the hardest thing to do in, in sports is getting hits in the major leagues. Okay. It's the hardest thing to do in all the sports. You have to be able to give yourself the best chance to be able to square the ball up. Now, if you get it just right, you'll be able to drive the baseball. A guy like me, the most home runs I ever hit in a season was 10 home runs. I had to make sure if Don Madden calls me up, Hey, Jay Harry, you're pinching in the ninth inning and I got to go face the closer. I have no chance. If I do this, zero chance guys throwing 100 miles an hour but if i'm get, get myself started and i'm on time and i'm direct to the ball then i have a chance to barrel the baseball get a hit or if i'm lucky with that velocity i drive it off the wall or maybe over the wall so it's a lot easier to simplify it and teach that way that gives you a lot greater chance to be able to have success now if you're aaron judge and if you're giancarlo stan hey have at it Hit as many home runs, at least try to hit 50, 60 home runs because really that's your job. But how many guys are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, <laughs> playing baseball? You know what I'm saying? So I always like what Mookie Betts does, line drive, line drive. You see Freddie Freeman who is more is a lot like Donnie was. All he thinks about, I talked talk to Freddie, he wants to hit the ball on a line. Left center, left center, and then oops, by accident, if he throws a, a, a pitch in on the inner half, my hands will take me to the ball, and I will hit a home run pull side. That's the approach that I've seen hitters, great hitters have for decades. And now, like Donnie mentioned, it, it's coming back because now guys are starting to realize, you know what? I'm sick of hitting 210. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hit 210. I'm a better hitter than this. Why not hit 270 with 25, 30 home runs? And now you're starting to see these guys have that philosophy once again, and it's coming back. And organizations, too, I think, are value and contact, that, which is a good thing. So, you know, you do have – they're having stats now. Does this guy swing and miss in the zone? Uh, this guy will put the ball in play. Uh, those stats are coming back, I think, and that always helps the hitter. 
because now the, the organization is valuing it. They're telling you, we like you because you put the ball in play and you're not swinging and missing in the zone. A guy that swings and misses at strikes is in trouble, Ooh. right? In trouble. Now, the guy that chases a little bit, you can help that. But a guy that gets himself a strike and swings through it and misses it, he's in trouble uh, at the big league level. And at, at really any level, because you see it, it's not getting better when you see a guy striking out, you know, 30% of the time, 35% of the time in the minor leagues with swinging and missing the zone. You don't come to the big league and it gets better. It gets worse. And, and that guy gets exposed. But I love your 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 thought, Jerry, of being direct, you know, or A to B. And that really is the the swing you want. And we always talked about hitting line drives, you know, or, you know, but swinging down really created line drives. Yeah. Wanna, you know, I want to talk to, I want to, you, you have another. Yeah. Question? Just on, just on that, just on that. Uh, we had Barry Bonds on uh, and I speak, Barry's a, a good friend of mine and I speak to him about hitting a lot. And he said, on, on the podcast that if you didn't hit 300 in our era, you weren't going to the big leagues. That, that just was something that, you know, wasn't going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think that a lot of the, the emphasis on being a good hitter as opposed to, you know, hitting the ball far has been lost. And, you know, subsequently the, the, the career average or, or the, 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 the world, I will say, the world average has gone down. And one of the things that I am noticing is, and tell me if this is, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing these guys right up close. The guys whose dads played in the big leagues, these guys are coming back, coming with the old school approach. Yes. The Bo Bichette is getting on top. Vladdy is getting on top. Tatis is getting on top. These guys, you know, do you, do you agree with that, that these guys whose dads were pros and, and had success in the big leagues are coming in with the old school path to the ball? Uh, I think the old, like those, those kids' dads aren't allowing them to do the, the other yeah. stuff from their kids. They're like, hey, this is not going to work. And, and you want to be a good hitter first because a lot of times the power comes later. Um, so, if you know, their, their dads aren't allowed. They come in to the locker room at times, uh, Bo's dad's in there, and none of those guys are teaching swing up, right? Uh, they're all teaching get to the ball direct. Uh, and the kids, with, if you have power, they'll go, right? If you hit good, it goes. Uh, and, and there is exceptions. Like you said, Aaron Judge is a perfect example of a guy that's looking to get the ball in the air. But if you really watch Aaron close, he don't chase. I mean, he's looked – almost every homer, the ball looks like it's right down the middle. And it's incredible his his discipline of the edges and pitchers know it. And it's like, oh, I can't miss. I can't miss. Oh, I just missed. And, you know, and that's that's the way it works. So I think the swings that are a little longer, you got to be a little more disciplined. Uh, you got to get you got to get the ball in the right part of the plate to be able to hit. But definitely none the kids that are coming up with those swings uh, with dads that played before really aren't coming up with the swing that where they're trying to get the ball in the air. Speaking of swings, you know, we talked about Donnie, Donnie Baseball, a uh, tremendous star, uh, superstar. And, Stephen, you've been a great actor. You get residuals still to this day. You've been in a lot of things. I've been very fortunate to, to start my acting career. Uh, Donnie Baseball, I don't know if you know this, Stephen, but uh, I'm hoping he gets residuals for this because he is on, or his name is mentioned, on probably the greatest episode Seinfeld ever had in that historic run. Uh, 
It's the episode where George Costanza decides to do the opposite. He decides to do the opposite. He meets the boss, George Steinbrenner, in a, in a job interview. And Mr. Steinbrenner goes to shake George Costanza's hands, and he refuses to shake the boss's hand because he's been disappointed in the boss and what he's put out on the field the last several years. And then George, the boss, Steinbrenner, says, hire this man. So George Costanza gets hired, assisted to the traveling secretary, and he takes it upon himself in the episode to go up and meet Mr. Don Mattingly. And he said, Donnie, I'm not too crazy about your new batting stance, but hey, you're hitting with it. Go with it, go with it till it stops working. And he says, Don Mattingly, he's a hell of a guy. And that's when, talk about superstar, Don Mattingly being mentioned in that famous episode. And I want to ask Donnie, do you get residuals for that episode? Because your name is brought up in that episode. Do you get residuals for somebody using your name? Yes, you should. You do? Steven? Yeah. No, Steven? You, no, you don't. You have to be on camera to get a residual. And you actually have to say something. Is that what the, the actors, is that what we're fighting for? SAG right now and the writers? Well, no, we're not fighting for residuals right now. We're fighting for oh. more money uh, based on streamers and also AI and things like can that. I, that. Can I put a request on having Don Madeline because his name was used and his likeness was used that he can get some back money for that? Was his, was his likeness used? That's the question. Was his face on? Was, his, was, his, was, was there a picture of him hitting? Was there anything that he was actually involved? I think he's on a poster. Because I know Tartable was on there. And, <laughs> yes, and I, believe Tart- G, I believe Jeter was on there. Yes. There's been a lot of guys on there, I, I think. Started with well, Donnie, Keith, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fighting for you, Donnie. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I like I'm it. Trying. I like it, Jay Hare. I love it. But that's, that's the type of star power Donnie had in, in, in the 90s. Mentioned on a, on a Seinfeld episode, and George Costanza was so happy that he's now working for the Yankees that he got a chance to meet his favorite player, Don Mattingly. I think I'm getting like $10 a year from those Simpson episodes as they've kept playing. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what residuals are, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, I want to ask you too, the Simpsons episode, were you, was that your voice or did they use somebody else's voice? No, that was my voice. We, that was your I voice. I remember oh, we were in wow. Anaheim. We, we, they sent a car, Steve Sachs and myself, we, they take us to the studio, 30 minutes, do the voice, and out of there. Right. And that episode probably gets more attention. Like we went to Australia with to play the, the Diamondbacks. I had more people yelling that in, in Canada, more people bringing wow. Simpson pictures. Now it's that's crazy to me. That was like they all think that you acted or whatever. I basically I read a little couple of notes off of there and that was it. Hey, but that's acting. That's acting. That's acting. You, you know, you, 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 yeah. you say you say the lines and you say them as believably as possible. And, and that's basically what it is. You're living you're living believably in an imaginary circumstance. So there you go. There you go. So I got a question. You played with a lot of, you know, a lot of personalities. Like you said, you've been around a lot of guys. You've been around Daryl Strawberry. You've been around Wade Boggs. You've been around these guys who was. Who was the most interesting player to play with, and who was the, the your least favorite player to play against? Oh, most interesting to play with. Um, I think, well, interesting, interesting, and like the best player I ever played with. I think the best player I ever played with was Ricky, mm-hmm. and because he and he changed because he changed the game, like getting on base, 
stealing a bag, hit for power, hit for average. He just changed the game the way, you know, winning a game. And so he probably had the most effect to me as watching a game of a player that this is the best player I feel like I've ever played with. And played with some great ones. Right? I played with Winnie, who was a great player, and, and, and some other guys there in New York, obviously, and that were great players. Uh, most in, one of the most interesting was Dion for me. I was I always love I love Dion. I thought because Dion was so much different, like in the locker room. Like Dion in the locker room is pretty like much one of the boys. He wasn't loud. He wouldn't, you know. He wasn't. He was just doing his thing. But as soon as he walked out that clubhouse door, man, and there were people out there, it turned into prime time. <laughs> and so that was always interesting to me. And, and like watching him, what he's doing now is so cool to watch. You know, Great, I was right? Oh, great, man, right? I mean, Colorado, it's great. We were in Denver, man, and that place is on fire with that that football program, and it's awesome. And I, his I son, it. his son coming in, and first game breaks the school record, five hundred ten yards passing from a HBCU, and I mean, that's just just to see. It's so energizing to that sport what Dion is doing, and just to see Dion with you know with the hat tilt, yeah, and the, the gold <laughs> rim glasses and the chain. That's yeah. Dion, yeah. you know what I mean? Dion, and he's what I love. Dion's being himself. I love right? it. In that circumstance, he's doing his thing. He's getting kids there. He's drawing interest in the program, and that's awesome. I would never go there and try to wear the chains and the hat or anything like that because <laughs> I wouldn't be myself, right? But that's that's him, man, and it, he is probably one of the most interesting guys I ever played with. You know, and that's what I wanted to ask you, too, just watching him now become a coach, and now he's able to inspire the youth. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to hear his pregame speech, but before they, they faced TCU. Amazing. If you haven't had a chance to, if you haven't heard it, seen it, I advise you to go on social media and listen to his speech. I wanted to play football that night. You know, yeah. Jerry, I Jerry. I heard it. I will, I'm going to pull it up. But I love listening to him. Jerry, I swear, I swear to you, when I watched that speech, I literally said to myself, God, I wish I was still young enough to go play football. I wanted to play after, after listening to him. We don't have tomorrow. We have now. now. We're, not we're not preparing now. anymore. We're here. You know, and you could, see, you could see the kids, the, the intensity building on their faces. And the, the, they just, this is a guy that the, the old school uh, adage of a guy that you would run through a wall for. Yes. You know what I mean? He, it's just amazing. And I love watching him inspire these young men. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to go on. I got to go on and see it because just listen to his interviews there and stuff like that. And I love listening to the old guys he played with. And they talk about how great of a mind he had for football. And a lot of times you don't, you don't get that because you've seen all the, all the the primetime stuff, but you don't you don't get the fact this guy had a great mind for the game. Yeah, and, and everybody that had played with him, I know David Justice talks very highly of of primetime being being teammates in Atlanta. So everybody that played with him on the baseball field, on the football field, speaks highly of Deion Sanders. Now, Coach Prime inspiring guys. I tell you what, the way he teaches, the way he coaches, you can you can tell. Not only does he does he have the talent around him with the kids. He's given him something even stronger, the power of belief. When you have a power of belief with those kids, you can see they, they've done incredible things so far, and I can't wait to see uh, their, their run in Colorado this season and, and season moving forward. Donnie, I have one more question before he gets, gets you out of here. I know you got a, a game later today. I, I want to talk about the boss, man, you know, George Steinbrenner. 
I, I know he's, 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 he's gone. He's passed away some time now. But you got a chance to, to play for the Yankees in the 80s, in the early 90s. And you were in, you were in the thick of things when the boss was uh, doing boss things. What was your experience like with him? And what was he like just in general? My experience was good. I mean, obviously I had some, had a few run-ins. I think you can't get out of New York in those days without having some, if you were one of the guys and your team wasn't winning that year, that you're going to, you're going to get some criticism from the boss. But I always loved the boss from the standpoint of like, it was clear we're here to win, right? We're here to win it. And if we don't, then we, it didn't, it's nothing. And, and I always thought that was cool because you'd hear about different organizations talking about, they were trying to play 500 this year and, and that type of thing. And it's like, I just didn't work with the boss, but I, I seen such, you know, such a good side of him, all the good things he would do for people. And he did it for myself, you know, after I was done playing and, and hurt my back. I mean, he flew his plane in, got me, he said, you're coming to New York and have surgery. Uh, I mean, took care of me totally. Uh, in in that way so people don't see those things and the things he would do for universities and things like that so a big heart uh but it could be tough man you know, like like i tell people like when george was in the building in new york you knew it like from the second you were walking in the gate like the dudes that were like the security guys it was like buttoned up raider roll the boss is coming today I'm like this dude's boss is here today and so i, I love that part of it and I just see see so much good in him, um, things that he did for for me and a lot of other people. And I think all the other was was kind of innocent to show, right? Like he's he's building that team, he's building the organization, he's selling tickets, he wants publicity, he's going to be out there in front. And and to me, as an owner, on those days, I know it's changed a little bit. Ownership is is a little different now, but in those days, he was the boss, and you knew it. And if he wanted something, he was going to go do it. Was there was there any uh, similarity between the actual boss and the boss character on Seinfeld that was always just on on the phone or in the, in the background? It would probably be similar, right? He was that eccentric. He was that eccentric. Yeah, I, I don't know about that eccentric. Obviously, in in um, with TV shows, you're going to have a little drama there, right? So they're going to build it a little further, but. He was, you know, he was pretty particular on what he wanted. Like he would probably come in there and and make sure the bathrooms were straight and clean in the stadium. That that stadium was for an older stadium immaculate. It'd be like those little things that you wouldn't think that those were also important to him, other than the team playing well. Yeah, I used to love that when George would, would hey Costanza, you got the calzone. <laughs> Hey, go go get us some cal go go get us some calzones. And he was just it was, so. It was on a win, winning streak. It was a winning streak. You got to eat the same thing. <laughs> Where's Costanza? <laughs> yeah, I used to. I used to love that. Well, listen, uh, Don, it's been a pleasure and an honor interviewing you, man. Hopefully, I get a chance to meet you one day in person. Uh, it, it was a pleasure watching you as a kid, and, and uh, I hope that you continue having success as a coach, and that we get a chance to see you manage again. Uh, sometime here soon, Jerry. You know what? What do you have to say on the on the way out? No, I, I know Donnie will get another chance to manage. I know he's done a tremendous job there with the Blue Jays right now as one of the coaches there. But I know he'll get a chance, uh, another chance to manage. He was very successful when he was with the Dodgers. Very successful uh, with the Marlins to bring that young team. 
teaching them how to 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 win and now they're doing a pretty good job and i know you're right right now thriving with the blue jays we wish you all the success donnie you know uh how i feel about you really uh love playing for you and appreciate the time i know you got to run uh so we're going to wrap up here uh for stephen bishop and future hall of famer don mattingly this is jerry harrison jr for hollywood swinging Thank <laughs> you.